Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org for free confidential services. This is the Steelers Standard on Steelers Nation Radio and Podcast on Steelers.com. All right, so the Steelers have been outgained in every game this year. Yeah. The statistical output for the opposing team is pretty much always greater than the Steelers in every significant category except for the scoreboard for four mm-hmm. times. And that's all that matters, obviously. Four and two is great. But with the MLB app, they have this thing that I think is it's really, really nice. It's a nice tool to use as far as a predictive um, predictive measures. Expected win-loss. So it has your win-loss, and then it has based on like how you perform, your run differential, and all the statistics, mm-hmm. what they think your record should be. And when you look at that for baseball this year, you know it makes kind of sense because the Rangers had a better expected win-loss than the Orioles. And guess who beat them in the playoffs? So it's a good way to kind of figure out using statistics what the record should be. If there was such a thing as expected win loss for the NFL, Steelers probably be what one and five, two mm-hmm. and four right now. They're four and two. Why? Stats don't lie. Good teams have good stats. It's very rare that you are like a fourteen win NFL team with a negative scoring differential and you get outgained in every game. That's bizarre mm-hmm. if that were to happen. So what is allowing the Steelers to have success? I think it's quite clearly the turnover differential. They're plus six right now in the turnover differential department. One of the best in the NFL. But it goes a little bit deeper than that. If you've heard Matt Williamson talk this week on any of our airwaves, I'm sure you've heard him bring this up. They're plus six in traditional turnover differential. Fumble recoveries, interceptions, things of that nature. But missed field goals by the opposing team... A turnover on downs by the opposing team, you converting a fourth down for yourself, that should also be considered as part of turnovers. Like, in the way Matt illustrated it, which I thought was so well done, was if you miss a field goal, say on third down, the ball gets snapped over Kenny Pickett's head Mm -hmm. and he runs seven yards back and dives on it. Or that's fourth down. Or or it is third down and the defense dives on the, Mm -hmm. the fumble. What's the difference between that and, and then missing the field goal where you get the ball seven yards right. past the line of scrimmage? That's a turnover. Uh, people say all the time, like, if a quarterback bombs the ball 40 yards down the field and it gets picked off, what do people always say? Oh, it's as good as a punt, right? right. It's not really as that good That counts a as a turnover, but mm-hmm. why is that better, better than if the center fumbles the snap with the quarterback and the defense dives on it and you get mm-hmm. the ball right at midfield? Or if it's like a fourth down and one, they don't get it. Turnover on down. So they call it turnover on down. Turnover on down. So when you factor in the Steelers' fourth down success, getting off the field as a defense, converting it as an offense, they're plus three in that category. And when you take into account missed field goals, Steelers are perfect this year because Boswell's been an all-pro. But other teams have missed against the Steelers. They're plus three in that category as well. So if you combine the fourth down, the fourth down numbers and the missed field goal numbers and add them to the plus six in the traditional turnover... That's a plus 12 
turnover <laughs> margin through just six games of the season. Now, plus six is second best in the league traditionally, behind only the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at plus seven. I'd have to do a lot more digging, but I really find it hard to believe that there's another team if you factored in the missed field goals and fourth down success rate getting off the field or converting it that are at plus 12 through just six games of the season. So that's the number and the statistic that I look at. And finally I can say, okay, now I'm starting to see how we got to this four and two record, what the driving force behind that four and two record is. They're protecting the football. They're converting fourth downs. They're converting field goals and other teams aren't. And the Steelers, I I think, are really being held up by that metric, by their turnover differential, both the traditional one at plus six and the Williamson one, let's call it, at plus 12. Yeah, I mean, that's what the Steelers pride themselves on, right? Getting to the opposing quarterback, forcing turnovers. And also protecting the football, too. They pride themselves on that just as much. How about that? I mean, we want to talk about how well they've done in, in in that sense beyond just your typical turnovers. Protecting the ball, too. I mean... Remember, there was a point where Kenny threw those first two interceptions on the year, yep. and everyone was saying, "What's happening?" You know, we we saw him throw one interception down the stretch of what eight games last year, and now he's thrown two or three early. Since then, though, the Steelers have done a very good job of protecting the football. Not a lot of fumbles, not a lot of interceptions. Essentially, no giveaways. When you look at the rest of the league, I think they're like top 10, if not top 5, in giveaways this year. And that includes missed field goals, because we know Boz is perfect, knock on wood, on the year. And we know that they're doing relatively well on fourth down. The one that comes to mind, obviously, is the one that was against the Rams that looked short, but was ruled in their favor. So, they're not doing those, they're not turning the ball over in, in the typical sense of the word, and they're not doing it in the beyond metric that, that Williamson laid out. And, and that's exactly this, the formula that gave them so much success down the stretch of last year, especially the protecting the football part. I mean, Kenny was a turnover machine in the first half of the season last year, got that out of his system in the second half of the season, and the team started to roll. And then got out of his system early on. Uh, early on He, he this was year. throwing the ball to the other team, but... And maybe we'll see this team start to roll now down, um, well, it's not the stretch, but entering the middle of the portion of the season and then heading into the stretch run. Uh, so no turnovers and getting turnovers. That That is making life better for your Pittsburgh Steelers. And I don't know if that's enough, just based on how this offense has looked and not being able to score that many points. It's probably enough to get you to 9-8. and eight. Eight and nine, something like that. You'll win your fair share of games, just you know, being ugly and winning the turnover battle. Um, but until you see the offense kind of add to that and start to put points up on the board after those defensive turnovers and start to really put some pressure on opposing teams, you're not going to see a, a complete package with this team. A complete, you know, oh, they can definitely make a lot of noise. Not just win a playoff game in the AFC, but they can make string some together and maybe make it to a conference championship game. Uh, Teams that eat in the turnover margin are always usually the better teams in the NFL, but that's really the only thing right now, aside from the splash plays on the defense, that the Steelers are doing well right now. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of weird because usually 
they have an offense that can kind of take advantage of this, the defense helping them out and putting them in a good position to score. But we know recently that offense hasn't really been doing a lot of complimentary football alongside that defense that's turning the ball over. The minimum that the offense has done for the defense is not turn the ball over on their own. However, Tom, you kind of had to think about it. Like, yeah, they're not turning the ball over, but when you incorporate three and outs into the equation, I mean, it's as if they're turning the ball right over because they're going three and out at a higher rate than any other team in the NFL. They're giving the defense no time to rest. They're putting the defense on the field. Week after week, the Steelers are losing at the time of possession battle. Uh, this past week, it was one of the worst. And I know it's not a typical sense of the word as a turnover, but when you're just going three plays on offense, taking up one minute, you know, 90 seconds up of the clock, it's essentially just saying to the defense, I mean, we just gave you one playoff, right, or, or, or two plays off. You have to go right back out there. The special teamers have to go right back out there. So I know they're not turning the ball over, but when you incorporate the three and out rate, it's really, really, it, it, it shows you why this team is clawing and inching their way to a four and two record. Yeah. And not they, just coasting like to it. If they could just, like, like you said, if they could just convert some third downs more consistently, stay on the field a little bit longer. Uh, I want them to score touchdowns, but even give Boswell a couple more chances to kick some field goals in mm-hmm. games. I think we would feel a lot create better about that this buffer team. zone of of getting more points on the board. Yeah, I think we'd feel a ton better uh, about this team. But speaking of takeaways, now this was surprising to find out. Team coming into Acrisure Stadium feasts on turning the ball over. Mm-hmm. Sixteen takeaways for the Jags this year. Nine interceptions, seven fumble recoveries. Leads the league by two. Bills have the second most. With 14, the Steelers have 12 uh, sitting around, tied for fourth in the league as far as that's concerned. So the Jags turn you over. That's kind of their bread and butter defensively. They give up 273 yards through the air, so they can be had in the passing game. It's one of the worst marks in the NFL. They only give up 80 yards on the ground. That's fourth in the league. So Mm -hmm. they're stout against the run. They don't let you run the ball on them, and you pass and pass and pass and pass, but it's kind of that double-edged sword with this defense because they have nine interceptions, second to only San Francisco on the year, and 16 total takeaways as a defense. So, you know, you want to pass the ball against them because you're they're giving up a lot of yardage through the air, yet you're going to probably end up, you know, hitting that whammy on the wheel spin and not the big bucks because they're, they're going to take the ball away from you. So... Mm-hmm. We just praised Kenny for his ability to, you know, get the interceptions, get the turnovers out of the system. Big test this week to see if that can remain against a team who's better than anybody at turning you over. Yeah, it's a huge test. I haven't watched uh, a Steelers team really go up against a team this year that is really good at turning the ball over other than San Francisco, right? So you've gone a long time without facing that kind of team. The Ravens lead the league in sacks, but they're not leading the league in turnovers. Yes, they forced a interception on Kenny Pickett, but there were no really costly interceptions or costly turnovers that the Ravens forced that day. So this is going to be your biggest test in terms of can you actually win? Can you win that turnover battle against a team that forces turnovers as well, if not better than you do? Yeah, it's going to be a really interesting wrinkle uh, in this football game. And then as far as what I said about 
them being very tough against the run, only giving up about 80 yards per game against the, the, the rush attack. I don't think the Steelers are a team that can look at that and just be like, we're not going to run the ball against them. Like, even though they are great against the run, I think the Steelers have no choice but to try to get the ground game going. I, I think their passing offense feeds off the ground game. Mm-hmm. You saw that in that fourth quarter when Canada called, I think, his best game maybe as Steelers' offensive coordinator in that fourth quarter mm-hmm. against the Rams. A lot of give and take between pass and run. Uh, both getting helping, every guy involved, both helping mm-hmm. each other out, both the run game opening up things for the pass and vice versa. Um, so th- this isn't a team that you know. You Tomlin said in his press conference, you know, in the NFL, especially in 2023, it's matchup specific. It's all about you know who you play this week and how you uh, attack them. There's no really like a this is our game plan and we do this against everybody. It's all about the matchups and the matchups this week might tell you to throw the ball a lot. But I don't think that they're designed to be a drop back and throw 45 times, Kenny, and try to win a football game. Um, at least not yet. So even though they're very, very tough against the run, you still got to try to get Warren or Najee going in this game. I don't think you can set your offense up for success without some semblance of a ground attack. Definitely not. I, I don't see it being possible. But what can you do, Tom, when they're this great against the run? Don't you fear that the Steelers are at one point going to look at themselves and say, oh, we're not getting the ball moving on the ground, so let's just air it out? I do feel that way. I do worry. Honestly, Jacob, even if they are doing okay on the ground, like a 3.5 yards per carry thing, I think that they'll be inclined to abandon it, especially if it's 7-0, 10-0. Just because it's what we've seen. It's just what they they trend to do. Yeah, no question. Um, I'd love to see a lot of play action. A lot more play. Still didn't see much play action against the Rams last week, and just it's such an effective tool against defenses. And Tim Benz brought this up um, last week with me. You know, how many times do you see in a game like a college game, even a pro game? I think I saw Jalen Hurts do this not last week, but two weeks ago in the Jets game. A quarterback runs a play action, and he goes to fake the handoff, and the running back's not even on the side that he goes to fake the handoff on. Have you ever seen that? Like he turns the wrong way and he right. kind of fakes it to no one. That's still a fact. Like that's mm-hmm. still making the defense think a little bit, even though it looks ridiculous mm-hmm. when you see it on on camera. But just that motion and that thought of it being played, like, and that kind of proves that even when there's not a running back getting the fake because the quarterback maybe messed up, they could still it's still mm-hmm. useful. Mm-hmm. So don't be afraid to utilize play action. Um, don't think that it's oh, um, you know, everybody does it, so everybody's expecting it. Everybody does it because it it works. My issue with the Steelers running play action is they do it so little, so infrequently, and they run the ball so infrequently compared to passing that it's still I get what I get what you're saying. Even teams instant, that don't run the ball though, like you'll see Mahomes make a little handoff there. Instant like, reaction, sure, you're gonna think, okay, they could be running it, but Teams are smart, well, right? All it takes is that one linebacker on that one play to, to bite. Be like, oh wait, maybe it is a run and bite, and then they they torch. I just it. don't know if the Steelers are at the same level as other teams with their ability to sell the run on a play action. That's my concern, and then I think they know that, and I think that's why you don't see it as much from the Steelers. So you think it's more of a matter of if you're not going to be a threat on the ground, really? Why would the defense? Bite on a play action. Not only that, but you, we, you were, the Steelers tend not to <clears throat> threaten teams via the ground. And <clears throat> in tandem with that, they tend to not utilize play action as much because I think they can easily look at themselves in the mirror and say, 
well, we know they know we don't run the ball that much. So we know that they know that our play action isn't going to be very deceptive. I think that that could definitely be a factor, but I think that might be what the Steelers are thinking. Like maybe that's why they don't do it. No, that's what I, no, that's what I am. That's what I am saying. I'm not saying the other teams believe that I'm saying the Steelers kind of get into that mentality. So you agree with me that even if the, like, even if you yourself, Oh, we don't have a, they're never going to bite. Still do it. They might bite. Yes, like, I agree. Let the defense do it more, decide if they're going to bite. But or we've not. been Tom. The reason I don't believe I'll see it is because we've been saying it. We've been pounding our our fists against the wall for so long about using more play action. We just never see it. What's up? I'm John Wall and I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. Everyone, please welcome Coach John Calipari. We're getting beat by 18. My first game in Kentucky. They're saying cows are busted. Can't coach. This is crazy. John Wall runs down the floor and makes a buzzer beater. Yep. You remember that, John? That's my first game win I ever made. Remember you said you never seen me do that. Ladies and gentlemen, DeMarcus Boogie Cousins. I called Boogie. I'm like, yo, bro, I'm about to commit to Duke. And I hung up on him. <laughs> bro, I'm talking about, do you want to tell me how many times he called me all type of names? Bro, you really sold me out. You doing this. <laughs> <laughs> bro, I was sick. I remember that like yesterday, man. Love you, John Wall. Thanks, Coach. Love you, too. You made me everything I am today. Nah, you made me. You made me. I love it. Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. It wasn't even supposed to be That's my, my game. game. <laughs> A couple of things in the NFL I wanted to get to before we get to power rankings in the next episode. Did you see Jim Ursay? We talked about the calls yeah. in the Colts and Browns game on yesterday's But calling them out on Twitter. You're not supposed no, to No, not at all. That. He's going to get in some trouble for that. The NFL isn't supposed to tell people that stuff. Like, they're not supposed to share, oh, yeah, we messed up that call with teams. And now you have an owner openly saying that the NFL told them that they messed up those calls. So Jim Ursay, as he always seems to do, it's opens get up in a some whole trouble, can yeah. of worms here. But it's not just him that's going to get in trouble. People are going to start looking at the league a little bit, too, being like, well, what? And I always feel this way for any league. When an apology is issued after the fact for a ref mistake and uh, soccer, F- FIFA, uh, the English Premier League, NFL, NBA, NHL, any of it, come out after the fact and say, yeah, we blew that call in a weighty moment like that. I would almost rather you not admit that you blew the call. You know what I mean? Right. Like, I would almost you just keep then your it's mouth worse, shut. Because then you're saying that, yeah, you should have, the, the Colts should have won And here's why game. it's worse. Because they're telling you that they were wrong and that it changed the game, but we're not going to do anything about it. Right. You still get the loss against the Browns. Uh, this is going way off the reservation here. So bear with me. The other football. This year in the English Premier League, Liverpool played Spurs. And I know this because my host, Mark Madden, is a huge Liverpool fan. Liverpool scored a goal that was determined to be not a goal, and then after the fact, the Premier League came out and were like, that was a goal we messed up. Okay, they would have won the game if that was a goal like it should have been. Instead, right now, as the standings go, the Spurs are at the top of the league, and Liverpool's in fourth place. But they're only three points apart. Three points for a win. If the call was made correctly, Liverpool would literally be winning. Mm -hmm. Like this, And I'm only bringing up this example to point out that this could literally decide the champion for the right. biggest league in the world not named the NFL. And it might be bigger than the NFL, just internationally. It probably is, internationally. That might decide the champion. 
And we'll always get to go back and be like, okay, but they themselves admitted that they got this result wrong. Why aren't they replaying the game? Why aren't they switching the results? So it's always just lip service to me when they're like, I'm sorry about that. We screwed that one up. Our bad. It's like, that doesn't change the fact that the Browns are four and two and my team's now three and four. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to be interested to see what the league uh, says to Ursay. And, uh, and, but it's Jim Ursay, you know, he's, this is no, these aren't these aren't uncharted waters for him. Yeah, I mean, it's it's routine as ESPN points out for teams to follow up with the league after questionable calls for the coaches to call the league right. office and ask about them. But those are private conversations; they're mm. never made public. And Ursay made the unusual step of of posting unusual for most, but pretty pretty common, common for, for Ursay that the refs admitted that they blew. Two calls. The NFL admitted that the refs blew two calls at the end of that Colts game. Um, again, uh, I, this might be a funny take for some people out there. I just wouldn't admit that. I would even in the meeting, I'd be like, "Yeah, it was the right call. No, it was the right call. No, 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 it was the right call." Just what was the call on the field? Play no, negligence. What was yeah. the call on the field? Then that's it. Then that's it. That's the right call. All right, what the refs said on the field is the right call. And then behind closed doors, you're gonna be like, "Boy, we really screwed that one up." But don't admit it out loud. I think it just makes it worse. Mm-hmm. The other thing I wanted to bring up, this just came across my my desk here. This is Dove Kleiman. You know Dove Kleiman? Yes. The guy yeah. on Twitter, he's like an aggregator. Yeah. People don't really like him very much. I don't know really how I feel about him, but he aggregates a lot of things, um, and it's a good follow for NFL news at the very For least. sure. Deshaun Watson's quarterback coach and Brady Quinn in a little bit of a spat on Twitter right now. Uh, Brady Quinn was very vocal on Fox Sports Radio calling out Deshaun Watson. He said, everyone with a medical opinion has cleared Deshaun Watson. The situation is almost similar to a kid getting a $230 million trust fund. You ask them to get a job, and they have no incentive to do it. Turn that up, Brady Quinn. I love love that take, especially calling him out and saying it's the equivalent to a kid getting a $230 million trust fund. That's mm-hmm. that's radio, baby. Right. That's how you do it. <laughs> and uh, so Quinn, you know, I mean, he's a he's a pundit. He's supposed to have opinions like that. Right. He's a Browns quarterback, former too. Browns quarterback, right, exactly. right? So he's gonna have his eye on the old the old team that drafted him. And I agree with him, by the way. I, I I've seen the same things that he has seen, where every medical expert has cleared Deshaun Watson to play, and yet he he is just not doesn't. Playing. You saw him on the sidelines, tried that to Colts play game. against the Colts, right. and just looked terrible. And then, I, I mean. I don't think Watson's worse than P.J. Walker, but he was on that Sunday. Like, don't you think the Browns got better when Walker came in that game as opposed to Watson? Oh, I mean, we've see, we've said that so how many times in the in the course of Deshaun Watson signed with the, with the Browns? Jacoby Brissett last year. We know statistically the Browns were better on offense with Brissett at quarterback than without or Deshaun than with Deshaun Watson in, and now this year. The, they've they've thrown out what two quarterbacks now in relief of Deshaun Watson, and they don't look any worse. Without Deshaun Watson in there. So, then, Quincy Avery, who is Deshaun Watson's private quarterback coach, which is something that I love now. Kenny has a private quarterback. Like It just seems like everybody has their own private quarterback, Mm -hmm. guru, whatever. He comes back at Brady, and he says, Brady, I'm going to be real. You don't know what the F you are talking about. And sit behind a microphone gossiping like a little high school chick. That's a little uncalled for. Oh, sure. You don't have to call him a chick. I don't man. Think in the year of 2023, I yeah. think we're above, you know, right. assigning gender sure. to certain behaviors like that. But 
I think Brady Quinn also does know a little bit what he's talking about. Of course. Since he's been in the NFL. He was one he of was the better college football in quarterbacks Dame, yeah. in the country. Um, so they go back and forth a little bit. Brady Quinn's saying, like, well, you can come talk to me anytime in person if you want to. It's an open invitation. And then Quincy responded, well, I just seen you Saturday. I don't have anything I want to talk to you about. I'm telling you, you're talking about things you don't know. Talking on another man who doesn't know you is weak. And Brady responded to him saying, well, I saw you on Saturday. LOL. Well, I didn't see you. And he said, point being. And then this is just the, oh, uh, this go. is the Brady Quinn mic drop, nail in the yeah. coffin. See you later, buddy. How about we massage this conversation and oh, get it to a happy ending? No. Does that sound satisfactory? Oh, no. Look, and then no response no from response the quarterback from coach. what of I course. can tell from You can't Prince come Harry. back from that. Can't come back from that. Um, oh, wait, no, there is a response. This is the joke you was dying to let fly. We can table the convo until I see you in person. Kind of like a massage table, I guess. We can put it on that table. Um, okay, Quincy Avery sounds like an idiot right yeah. now. Don't talk. Anyone who comes to Deshaun Watson's defense sounds, sounds like, like an, an idiot. idiot. And I get you're his Whether guy. it's about his character or, or his, his on-the-field play, you sound like an idiot if you're defending the So guy. he's his guy, though. He's his private quarterback coach. It's fine. You're going to go to bat for your guy. Um, you're doing more harm than good, first of all, by getting into a Twitter spat with an NFL pundit, Brady Quinn. And, buddy, take a look in the mirror at your client. I mean, mm-hmm. he hasn't played despite being medically cleared. He hasn't looked good since coming to Cleveland and signing that $230 million contract. I don't know what you're coaching him in private, but it ain't coaching him back to the form that he showed in Houston. No. So this is just another time where you might just want to shut up and not say anything because, like you said, you're already coming to the defense of a guy whose character off the field is incredibly questionable. Not, I don't, think I don't even think it's questionable. questionable. He's just a scumbag just, yeah, off the right. field. And he is he's cheating the Browns right now mm-hmm. on the field. Now, I love it because it's the Browns, and they, right. were, they were stupid themselves to give out that money guaranteed. To, to, one, take the chance on him, two, give him that much money in the process of doing so. But still, as I see it play out the way that I kind of hoped it would have played out, it's still kind of hard to see and hard to, to defend to find any way to defend the guy. Um, if a medical expert comes out tomorrow and says, his shoulder is shot, he can't play that much or, or that effectively, I'll shut my mouth, and Deshaun Watson can be injured all he wants, and I'll believe him. Kevin Stefanski is still unsure if they're going to add him to the IR or not. Mm -hmm. And I have to feel like that's because of Deshaun Watson either not being completely upfront with how hurt he is or saying he's more hurt than he actually is. Oh, I don't believe it's the former. I believe it's the latter, where he is saying he's more hurt than he actually is. See, like... um, Paul wrecking crew in the longest yard. When I can't, shoulder, can't do I'm it. Out, I'm out. I'm out. And the, That's uh, it. I'm done. Guy's feeling his knee. The old guy's feeling. Like, it feels fine to me. And he's like, "Well, it ain't. All right, I'm done." That's the kind of little Sean. Like that's what happened in the Colts game. Just came out. I was like, "My knee." He's like, "It was your shoulder all week." Nah, it's my knee now. I'm done. Put in PJ. But the put in Brucey. The Browns are gonna win without Brucey him, with the you? popcorn. <laughs> Crew's gone off the deep end. Right? I got it now. <laughs> Um, do you think the Browns will probably still push for the playoff spot even if Walker takes the reins? For I mean, they're doing it right now. Yeah, I mean, and what was it? Wh- how do how do you feel? You're a Cleveland fan now, right? Like your team is so good now for the whole picture of the roster that you're going to be a playoff team, a playoff contender, even with Deshaun Watson probably not playing and PJ Walker being your quarterback and Nick Chubb's out for the year. Like even when we're good. We can't catch a break in Cleveland. We can't be full strength. 
So he's only played three like whole games this season. Deshaun, mm-hmm. okay. and they're four and two. Their defense will keep them in a lot of games. Sounds familiar, um, but I, so will the refs. So will the refs, I guess, or say admitted it. But it, it's hey, just, I'm not Jim Ernst. I can say what I want. It's just kind of a weird situation where the Browns really messed up by giving him this contract. I think it's fair to start saying that. And they're four and two, and they're in as good a shape as the Browns have been in decades right now. So, you know, that's a bizarre twist, I think, in all of this. You know, they finally go get their quarterback, and then he's not their quarterback, but they're still good. So, the whole injury thing, though, is definitely suspicious. And, I mean, just the fact that Stefanski still isn't sure if he's going to put his quarterback on IR or not. I mean, I think he's holding out hope that he's going to come back, but it don't look that way. It don't look like he is any no. drive to get himself healthy if he is indeed hurt or to suck it up and play. And if I'm game. Deshaun Watson, you think that's it? You think like oh, everybody's hope. clearing him medically because he he's not going to get hurt anymore? But it just it just does kind of hurt to throw the football, and he's just like my arm hurts. Do you think there's any factor into I got my two fifty? Why am I going to make my arm hurt for this team? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do think that that could play into it. I I really do believe that. He is hurt, but I think that the medical staff is saying you're not going to hurt it anymore, so go out there and play. And 99.99% of NFL starting quarterbacks are like, yes, I will go out there and play, put that needle right in my shoulder, make it as numb as can be. And I just I wonder if Deshaun Watson just is like you said, he's like, oh, I've got my 230 guaranteed. I don't need to play through any pain. I'm just going to sit here until I feel 100%. And you pay a guy $230 million guaranteed to play with one arm if he has to. I mean, that's the kind of mm-hmm. heart you hope that that guy has. Mm-hmm. But you went and signed a guy that clearly has no heart. Yeah, or off no the drive, no no, no sense of team, teamwork value. Well, he's just a bad person. And yeah. you have to right. be a good right. person to have all of those traits, I believe. So... We know now he's not. I wish I could say the Browns are a dumpster fire and in turmoil because they, they should be, but they're not. They are as far as the Swatson situation is, but if the season ended today, they'd be playing the Ravens mm-hmm. in a playoff game. So we'll see if the Browns keep it up. I, I tend to believe they will. Gear up with the latest sideline apparel, hats, or jerseys of your favorite players, authentic memorabilia, custom items, and exclusives you can only find directly from the team. One of the official Steelers Pro Shops located at Acreshire Stadium, the Grove City Premium Outlets, or the Tanger Outlets, or visit us online at shop.steelers.com. Oh, it's time. You ready? Power rankings are up next. Crazy, crazy week. Yeah, there's a lot of moving and shaking. A lot in of shaking. So we'll oh, get yeah. to our top 10 next on the Steelers Standard. Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org for free confidential services. 